Blog Talk Radio. August 2nd, 2013, Don't Let It Go Unheard, where we discuss news and politics, also some culture, from the perspective of Ayn Rand's philosophy. That's the philosophy behind the uniquely American sense of life. That's the sense of life of those who believe we have the right to life, liberty, and most importantly, the pursuit of your own individual happiness. I'm your host, Amy Peikoff, and joining me here in the studio, as usual, is cartoonist Bosch Faustin. Hello, Bosch. Hello, everyone. He got in before I started talking today, so that's awesome. Uh, Here's what we have planned to discuss with you today. I've titled today's show, Phony GOP, and then in scare quotes, Libertarian Priorities. Uh, Obama says that the scandals that are plaguing him, scandals that I think should be plaguing him a lot more than they are, are phony We'll discuss why they're not phony. We've got hard news stories. This is not just, as some people are saying, talking points. Uh, CNN and Wall Street Journal are talking about the latest news in the Benghazi and IRS scandals, uh, respectively. So it's, it's really, I think, the GOP that's phony, that is failing to hold Obama accountable. And we'll see that the GOP is phony in other ways, too. We'll talk about that. We're also going to discuss the latest on the Obamacare implementation train wreck. There's a few new stories about that, including, most disgustingly, a fix, a quote-unquote fix that's going to exempt politicians and their staffers from bearing the brunt of the expense of the increase. We'll see even if Obama is following the law and doing what he did to fix that for them and more. If you want to follow along with a bunch of the stories, although I'm not guaranteeing that we're going to discuss them in the order that I have them there, if you go to DontLetItGo.com and you see the latest post, the post from today on today's show, you'll see program notes. Program notes is a new feature of the show. I've been doing it for the last few weeks. I think people have appreciated it. My donations are up a little bit. Those of you who have decided to donate in the last few weeks, some people generously thank you very much. It means a lot to me, and it shows me that you like what I'm doing. So I will just keep going on with that. But, yeah, go to DontLetItGo.com, check out the program notes, and you'll see and be able to follow along with me. One thing that I want to talk to you about in the you know kind of vein of good news i don't know if we're going to have as much cultural snapshot stuff today because we really kind of accumulated that over a few weeks before we had last week's show but let's have a couple interesting things before we get started one is that the ayn rand institute is offering a course by dr leonard peikoff and those of you who follow the objectivist movement know that it's very rare for him to offer a course anymore in fact i think he had said he was retired and has now decided that it's important to help people write effectively. I think if we're going to win the long-term battle for the culture, people need to be good writers. And so they are offering this course. It is called Writing for an Audience. And the link, again, is at DontLetItGo.com. I have the link to the ARI page where uh, where this course is being offered. It says, once every three weeks, 
starting September 13th, Dr. Leonard Peikoff is going to offer by telephone a new 15-lecture course called Writing for an Audience. The course is designed for anyone who wants to improve his ability to present general, not technical, ideas persuasively to an uninformed or unsympathetic audience. Okay, so this is not for people who want to preach to the converted, blah, blah, blah. This is for people who actually want to write about their ideas and convey them to people who don't agree with them. In in other words, to go out there and actually try to change the culture. And I'm telling you, whether you're an objectivist or not, I don't know that you could get a better writing instructor than Leonard Peikoff. So, uh, you know, whether if if you're familiar with Ayn Rand's novels, they say that the only prerequisite is familiarity with Ayn Rand's two major novels, which familiarity is kind of a vague word. It doesn't even seem like you would have had to have read both novels. You have to be familiar with them, uh, along with some understanding of her ideas. Now, what you would have to be familiar with on a on a deeper level probably have read the novel you will you will have had to have read the fountainhead in order to get admitted to the class because in order to get admitted to the class you need to send to the Ayn Rand Institute by Sunday August 4th a 300 to 400 word writing sample and everyone has to write on the same exact topic because what they want to be able to do is abstract away from the writing sample your actual writing ability and so everyone's going to write about why i like the fountainhead so i think it'd be pretty hard not to have read the fountainhead and and be (laughs) so those of you who haven't read it you just have to cram it between now and sunday and then write a 300 to 400 word essay as to why you like it and hopefully you will be selected to be in the course the course does cost money 300 bucks, but I would say it's 300 bucks well spent. Uh, as I said, it's pretty rare for Leonard Peikoff to offer a course. It's even rarer to just offer it to the general public. It's going to be telephone, so you can get it in your schedule. I'm pretty sure that they'll have recordings so that if you missed a live show that you could listen to it online, well, let's say et cetera. You'll, you'll, you will come out a better writer, almost guaranteed. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And, and some of the people in the course, I think he's going to select people in the course to whom he's going to give individualized feedback on their writing. And what everyone's going to be able to see is the piece of writing that he's critiquing and hear a detailed line-by-line critique of that writing. So I think it's going to be excellent, uh, you know, actually seeing a real writing sample and seeing the editing and feedback process is probably the best that you can do. So speaking of writing, uh, I am today celebrating because I finally completed my article on the uh, third-party doctrine that I've been talking and talking and talking about. And as I said, you know, here's Edward Snowden. The latest news on Snowden, by the way, you can find a link to the story at the Don't Let It Go Unheard page on Facebook. I I hadn't intended to talk about it that much. But Snowden's finally out of the airport in Russia. Apparently, he's been granted temporary asylum there. We're waiting, of course, to see what the motives of Russia is in doing this. But we're all glad that Snowden is out of there. Why? Because I I mean, I think I agree with other people, some other people, a minority of, of good commentators out there. Uh, Levin's good on this too, right, Bosch? Yeah, I mean, he's been pretty neutral about the hero or villain part, but he says this is important that we know this, and we only knew it through him. And he, he, and, he has, and he hasn't called him a traitor no, in it, with any not. vehemence at no. all. He's okay. actually been critical of those who have called him traitor. Without specifically, I think he doesn't want to get into the fray too much about this, but he clearly has a sympathy 
towards Snowden. And clearly. he's he's been critical of Gutfeld uh, uh, in yeah, terms of yeah. Gutfeld playing down the story. So it's the, the yes. substance of the NSA program. Right. He agrees with us on yes. that. He, it is a big not, deal. Absolutely. Yeah. And, yeah. and he did not destroy our national security, as Greg Gutfeld actually said last night, which is unbelievable. He says he has done big, <laughs> heavy damage to our national security. I mean, it's just you got to give concrete. I want some citations. Exactly. I, I, want, I want some citations. Uh, By the way, about, about this, this new thing, just one uh, quick quick thing. Um, uh, the Obama mouthpiece, Kerry said. Um, he said. Carney, 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 Carney. Yeah. Anyway, Carney said. Uh, Jim Carrey may as well be. Uh, uh, we're extremely right? disappointed. Now, let's just say he found asylum in Israel. Would they have limited at being extremely disappointed, or would they have, would they have tried to do something about it? Anyway, they're afraid. They're afraid of puking. So you know. <laughs> puking. Oh, <sorry. laughs> I like that. Um, Anyway, so uh, going back to my article, right? So the whole thing was I didn't want that Snowden, having given up the opportunity to live in the United States, which probably he's never going to have for no. the rest of his life. If he comes back here, he's going to face prosecution. And as Gavin McGinnis pointed out to Gutfeld and to who's the defense attorney, Remy Spencer, yeah, who's on right, Red Eye right, all the time, right, right. he pointed out last night, you know, they, they said, oh, well, if, if Snowden was – Really oh, earnest. No. If he would, if he was earnest, if he wasn't a hypocrite, then he would have come back here and faced prosecution. And McGinnis reminded them what happened to the guy yeah. almost a year ago. Yeah. Nikula, Nikula. Yeah, I, I can't. Right. Yeah. No, that's it. What What happened to him for that YouTube video that was not the cause of Benghazi? It was not the cause of Benghazi. If you don't think you're um, guilty, why the hell would you give yourself up? To, he's he's to in criminals. jail. Nikula yeah. no. is in jail, uh, and he's saying, never going to be out yeah, again. Yeah, and Snowden, Snowden. What I'm saying is, why the hell would he go uh, if he's if he's what they said? They they think he's like want to be. He wants to be like a rock star because he's living a rock star's life, right? Oh yeah. In the airport for how long? Oh yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And he's having to learn Russian now. Yeah, I mean it's just it's it's really. I'm very disappointed. In I, Greg I Russell, can get meat and fruit you know, in Russian. I mean, you know he, what I can't do though. I can't get bacon in Russian. Is that right? I can say meat. Say bacon. I, I can't B say bacon. I think Bikonovich. I, I think it's... Ba Miasi and fructi is meat and fruit. Bikonovich. So I, I can get meat and fruit. I could eat sort of a paleo diet if I was in Russia. I'd say meat, meat. I think it's bacon. And I'd just I point and, and like throw money at them. Would I... But, it's terrible. No, but I, no, but I, mean, I mean, imagine I, he's had to do that, yeah. and and no, and then, and then like, they say, then they say, oh, you know, he chose to, yeah. or, or or isn't it ironic the place that he chose to go to? Oh, he didn't choose man. to no, go to did. Russia. <laughs> <laughs> That's where he got asylum. He was looking around. He was basically waiting for some some good countries to come up, and they didn't. This guy, you know? this guy is a smart guy. If he had chosen to go to Russia, yeah. he would have learned Russian already yeah. long ago. And I, I hear he's cramming it. Anyway, if Snowden is out there. I, I wish him the best, and yeah. and one thing that I did with this article that I just finished, it's a law review article, it, I tried to argue against the third-party doctrine in a way that I hope somebody, somebody's going to be receptive. The thing about my particular argument about the third-party doctrine is it rests on my model of legal protection for privacy. I think we got to go back to the realm of property and contract, and that is so weird right. to most people out there say, no, we have, you know, an individual right to privacy and it's all based on the right to privacy. What are you talking about? Theory of you know, theory property matter. and contract. Nobody's been defending privacy on the grounds of property and contract since mm -hmm. before 1890 or about 1890. 
So uh, what I, I need a revolution in the legal protection of privacy, and then, yeah, I can solve your third-party doctrine problem, because what is, what's the problem? The problem is that... You said the, the title, the subtitle? Oh, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll tell you the title in a minute, and yeah. I'll tell you why you, you... The title will probably tell you why you don't want to read it yeah. before publication. <laughs> Ed in the chat room is asking, you know, can we read it before publication? Maybe mm. you can, maybe you can. I, I don't know. Maybe it it, it's, it's, very, it's very academic. I go through literature and, and critique and stuff like that, but that's what you have to do in a law review article. But the best part in is, any event, is, no, a, is a challenge to the critics. I mean, that's yeah, the no, I'm definitely trying to challenge the critics. You're getting Siri involved in the in the sorry, show here, Bush. That's awesome. Okay. <laughs> he loves his iPhone. Yay! It's it's a, it's a great thing. Yep. But um, anyway, in the article, what I do is I suggest that we can cover what's called the secret agent cases, right? We want the government to be able to use secret agents, undercover agents that go in there, that get the secrets out of the Tony Sopranos of the world, and then give it to the government so the government can prosecute these bad guys. We want to keep that. That's a good thing. And that's what the third-party rule, you know, the third-party doctrine originally did, is it it allowed the government to have this. They said, look, you know, you don't have a reasonable expectation of privacy in the information you share with third parties. And in the context of these government informants, it seems to make sense. We like those. But what we don't like is what happened in the 1970s. In the 1970s, that third-party doctrine was extended to the information I share with my phone company. Now it's extended to the information that we all share with Mark Zuckerberg. So what happens is if I share information with Mark Zuckerberg or the phone company or whatever, this third-party doctrine says I don't have a reasonable expectation of privacy in it. If the government gets that information from Mark Zuckerberg or Verizon, then it's not a search And so, therefore, it's not covered by the Fourth Amendment. So this is all screwed up. And so what I suggest in my paper is that we can use the common law of contract to fix this. But in order to use the common law of contract to fix this, you would have to concede my point that legal protection for privacy needs to come from property and contract. So that's what my paper is about. It's very, you know, kind of obscure detailed because, really, I think this requires a detailed solution, this problem, I'm hoping that an articles editor will pick it up. I don't know if they will. It's radical. You know, I'm one of these Ayn Rand people. I don't know. We'll see. I threw it out there, and I hope it's going to stick somewhere. Eventually, I'll get it published somewhere, and, and we'll see. I will keep everybody posted about that. Subtitle, yeah. Oh, yeah. Let me give you the title and subtitle just so I can intimidate you with my my awesomeness. So let me, let me uh, here it is. It's of third-party bathwater. Now, you try to come up with the, you know, so the idea is don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. So the title is of third-party bathwater, how to throw out the third-party doctrine while preserving government's ability to use secret agents. That's good. And that's exactly what my paper's about, and it has a catchy little of third-party bathwater nuance thing. So I think it's a nice little point. I think, yes, it shows that the whole current legal regime for the protection of privacy is kind of hopeless to deal with these issues, but maybe somebody will be encouraged. I do suggest a little tweak to current doctrine that could accommodate my suggestion in a in a weird way, but I don't think just doing a tweak to the current doctrine is going to help. I think you really got to get rid of the whole thing. So yeah, I'll, I'll put it out there. I'm not trying to tease you guys, but I just, 
I'm first putting it out there for the academic world, and then we'll share it more generally. Um, okay, so let's go on. What else? Bacon. I was told I should try to top our discussion last week from bacon. Tammy, Tammy Bruce was awesome. She says, you talked about bacon last week. How are you going to top it this week? I, I really can't top it. I don't know. I don't think you can top it, but what you can, can top it. I can cook some right now, eat it on the air, and talk about it, you know what I mean? Um, what, what you know feeling, what? I don't you know. know if we talked about this before. Probably we did. But what if you made a portrait of Obama, I mean Obama, of Muhammad, a portrait of Muhammad in bacon? So like a bacon turban? Something. Or made out of bacon. The whole thing is like made out of bacon. Definitely. That's something to do. That could be awesome. That could be awesome. But it'll be tempted to eat them, and you don't want to eat Muhammad. You know, you don't want to eat Muhammad. Maybe it's like disgusting, the whole thought. Well, but I mean, maybe you won't want to eat it. Maybe it's like art. I guess, but... It's bacon. So. You you shellac it and you like put it up in art gallery. Yeah, but people will still be tempted to eat it. It's, it's bacon. Yeah, okay. It doesn't so, matter if it's cold so I, or I old. Think, I think a bacon portrait of Muhammad could, in fact, top. I think a last drawing of, of a bacon. bacon portrait of Muhammad would be good. An actual bacon sculpture of Muhammad probably wouldn't work because then you'd be tempted to eat it. As I said, if it's cold, if it's old, it doesn't matter. It's bacon. So uh, to draw okay. a bacon portrait I, of Muhammad. I, 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 th- I actually do think that's wrong, though, because I think that if pizza is old and cold, that's okay, but bacon old and cold. No, it doesn't bacon. work. It doesn't work. It's bacon. Anyway, let let let's bacon. let's top last week. Now last week we talked about Sprinkles Cupcakes. We're still looking yes. forward to the September sixth release of Sprinkles Cupcakes Bacon Cupcakes. So we'll do that. But what we found out last week is that we shouldn't even worry about the nitrates. In right. the bacon that Sprinkles is right. probably going to be using, because right. I've been going out of my way buying this uncured bacon stuff. Yeah. Now, and, now we're cured. Yeah, now yeah. we're now we're cured of that thanks to a listener, Michael, who posted on my page on Facebook saying, "No, you really don't have to worry about those nitrates." And there's a blog post, so I shared it. If you want to go ahead and check that out on my page on Facebook, yep. thank you, Michael, for letting us know we don't have to worry about nitrates. We can purchase whatever tasty, high-quality bacon we like, whether it's cured or uncured. And, in fact, the cured stuff has been tasting better. So someone asks, uh, am I daring enough to draw a portrait of Muhammad? Uh, Gabriel asks. And uh, I've drawn him six, seven times. I drew him live in front of a talk once. And I'm willing to draw him on live television. I mean, you know, there was uh, when David Letterman actually held his ground against al-Qaeda when he got threatened, I sent to his producer, I said, well, uh, if, why don't I draw Muhammad in the background while he's doing his talk? I mean, that would be something interesting. But, yeah, I've drawn him a dozen, I don't know, I, I guess half a dozen times, if not more, and all different types. Sorry, I had to say that. No, of course. Yeah, yeah definitely. Now, <laughs> look in here. Conservative Sue in the chat room suggests that we could have a bacon taco shell. <laughs> and a bacon taco shell makes your resulting taco paleo, so <laughs> that would be excellent. Right. Ed, I think in the chat room might be trying to top the bacon discussion, but I'm not sure. I don't think he's trying to top our bacon discussion, but maybe just add to it. He says he had some non-union resurrected Twinkies last week too, so that should count. Yeah, I think. Yeah, was it Twinkies. bacon filled? Was it? Yeah, we need bacon Twinkies. Yeah. That would be yes. really cool. <sighs> a bacon milkshake. We've definitely had that. We have had like a, a chunky brownie <gasps> with chunks of but bacon. But Jack in the Box offering a bacon milkshake. Wow. That's pretty good. Yes, yeah, you have that. I don't know. Well, I gotta go. We gotta go check it out. And again, now that we're not worrying about the nitrates, yes. what's gonna happen with the Jack in the Box milkshake? Though it'll extra be nitrates, full of sugar, <laughs> and they'll probably use some wimpy, low-fat ice cream. Yeah, but cream. The, the bacon might counter that to some extent. It'll be nice and salty and delicious. Could be. Yeah. It definitely could be. 
in terms of other good news, I just I just wanted to say, yeah, I'm happy that Snowden's out. Let's wish him the best. Yep. And let's go ahead and get on into some of our stories here. If you want to chime in on the discussion about anything that we're talking about here today, you call 760-888-5817. Again, that's 760-888-5817. Or participate in the chat room over at blogtalkradio.com. A lot of people are in there and uh, chiming in. Oh, Earl wishes me luck getting my article published. Thank cool. you, Earl. This is, you know, a, it's a bad process for both law professors and for the law reviews themselves because what you do is you mass submit the article. Indeed, you submit yeah. it if you want. You could submit it to hundreds of them at a time. I didn't do that, but I submitted to quite a few. And what happens is you get an offer maybe from, say, you know, the journal that's 150 or whatever. And then what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to say, well, thank you very much, 150 journal. And how they rank these, who even knows that too, right? Um, then you're supposed to shop it around and tell the other journals that are, you know, one through 130, hey, I got this offer from this 150 right. journal. Will you publish my piece? You know, I'm, I'm looking for another offer. It is Cutthroat, it's horrible. Both the professors who are trying to publish and the law reviews who are trying to get the articles, they engage in this snobbery where, you know, some of some of them, they don't even read your article. They say, well, what school do you teach at? Whatever school you teach at is going to be the proxy for the quality of the article. Some of them do that. Not all of them do that, but you hear that there's a ton of that. And I then we, we professors, what do we do? Do we say, oh, I'm going to publish based on the quality of the editorial experience that I'm going to have with the law review? No, no you go no. for ranking, and you go for ranking according to somebody else who ranks it according to who knows what criteria, which are the top law reviews and the top law schools, blah, 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 blah. I think it'll be intriguing. I think it'll intrigue some people, what, no matter where they're coming from, because this is what we're dealing with now. It's timeless in a lot of ways, but also it deals with what's going on right now. So I, you know, let's hope anyway, it takes on now. It's my it's my little attempt to not let the uh, I don't think it's a sacrifice, but I think don't let the efforts of Edward Snowden go in vain. I'm I'm doing my part, so I hope other people are, are doing it too. Let's hold our government accountable for these invasive NSA programs and try to talk about a solution. So that's, I think, enough on that. Let me go back to my wonderful list of stuff over at DontLetItGo.com. Again, you can follow along on the program notes at DontLetItGo.com. Uh, here's the story that got me so upset that I actually typed the word bastard on Facebook. Politico.com. Headline, Hill gets Obamacare fix. This is published yesterday. Authors John Bresnan and Jake Sherman, it says lawmakers and staff can breathe easily. Their health care tab is not going to soar next year. And apparently there is a Republican from Iowa, Senator Chuck, Chuck Grassley. Sorry, sorry, one second. Did they say unlike most Americans, lawmakers and staff can breathe easy? I mean, did they say that? What, did they take that out? Did, shouldn't they, they have put it there? Well, I mean, you know... We could we could parse this forever, know, but right? It's, it's but it's ridiculous. It it is definitely ridiculous because all of us have to oh, put up with a brunt. And, and we're so we could breathe easy that that they can breathe easy now. Well, it's a joke. I'll I'll tell you what the what the gist of this story is. So the gist of this story is that in the Obamacare legislation, they 
put into it a little provision that says members of Congress and their aides must be covered by plans, quote unquote, created by the law or, quote, offered through an exchange, end quote. They have to participate in plans that are creatures of Obamacare. They must do that. And, And they still must do that. Okay, so it's not that after this fix they don't have to do that. No, what what this what this fix does is this fix allows the government coffers to pay yep. for their premiums, basically whatever they are. Now it's not that they're necessarily going to get an entire premium subsidy. It said that the government contributed almost seventy five percent of their premium payments. So we're not sure that the con- you know the congressional uh, members and their staffers are you know not going to suffer at all under Obamacare because the premiums are going up huge. We all know the premiums have gone up. They're going to continue to go up. It's exorbitant. It's horrible. This idea affordable care act yeah. affordable affordable for only Bill Gates. Yeah. I don't know. It's a huge fraction of, of our budget to, to pay for health insurance right now, and it's, it's truly disgusting. It's opposite. Affordable is unaffordable. Anyway, so, so what this does is this is going to allow our tax dollars to pay for their health insurance premiums. You can bet that whatever is going to be paid on behalf of the members of Congress and their staff, whatever is going to be paid, Less. we don't know how much it is, right, because they're going to have to decide, but whatever is going to be paid is going to be more than what has been paid before. Sure, but less than So we're going to be paying more of our tax dollars so that these congressmen and their staffers can, you know, breathe easily, while at the same time they're the ones who created the problem in the first place and are continuing to shove it down our throats despite every single signal that it is, as so many people have said, a train wreck. And we, we won't have that exemption. They, they do, and their buddies and pals. I mean, you know, they're the the uh, cronies and the and the private sector. They're probably gonna get deals like this. They'll, 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 they'll get exemptions as well. This is truly, truly disgusting. And the other thing is that the solution came because of Barack Obama's personal involvement, <laughs> as Tammy likes to call him, the jackass. And I'm getting there. POS, uh, POS and Bosch is more than happy to join in on that one. The article at Politico's and Politico, you tell me, Bosch, it's a left. Oh, yeah. Left-wing rag, right? It's, it's pretending to be a news source. It's a left-wing rag. That's okay, but I'm telling you, this is critical of Obama. Here they go. They say Obama's involvement in solving this impasse was unusual to say the least. They say, but it came after serious griping from both sides of the aisle about the potential of a quote-unquote brain drain. I believe it was Ed who's hanging out in the chat room. Uh, with us here today, who commented on Facebook that the idea of a brain drain from right. Congress—it's right. <laughs> already been drained. You know, they drained the swamp. Except for one, right? I think you said this week that yeah. uh, Alan Dershowitz said that uh, Ted Cruz was one, if not the smartest student he ever had, and he's pretty liberal, Dershowitz, except for Israel. I mean, he's pretty good on Israel, and he does make sense. He's pretty rational sometimes. Mm-hmm. He, he could be a real idiot leftist sometimes, but. That's interesting. Uh, and, you know, you do see uh, the intelligence of Ted Cruz when he's out there. He's very articulate. He's very, he's very sharp. 
Definitely. Perfect. So, so, so there he might is, there is one brainwashed. Yeah. yeah. There's one. Yeah, and there might be some other brains. Yeah, but there's there as brains. well. But whatever. This brain drain. I just laugh. I just laugh. Anyway, it says the fear, as told by sources in both parties, was that the aides would head for more lucrative jobs, spooked by the potential for spiking health premiums. And I love it, AIDS, right? They're terrified yes. without their AIDS. Yes. I would say a member of Congress or a mm-hmm. senator without his aid exactly. is yeah. like Obama without his teleprompter. Yeah, absolutely. They do the hard work. They read everything. Yes, yes. I mean, they're they're just lost without these AIDS, these smart people yep. who actually read this stuff or yep. read part of this stuff, whatever part of the stuff they can get through before there's a vote. So if you want to influence a politician, you go to his AIDS. I mean, that's what you do. I guess that's true if you think you can, but I'm sure that they're pretty firmly fixed on their on their different uh, opinions. But this is the thing. They said um, uh, the White House officials acknowledged that a fix was needed, but they knew that once they dealt with it through a regulation, some Republicans would use it, would use it against them, et cetera, et cetera. And they also knew that they couldn't do it through a piece of legislation. Now, here's the thing. This is This is what I wonder, right? Because as I understand the fix, the fix actually came through the OPM, which is the office of what? I don't know. Oh, God. What is the stupid acronym OPM? Somebody, if they got it there in the chat room, and I'm just blanking on what OPM. O-P- office, of Progr- office of Program Management or some horribleness. Is that right? Yeah, Office of Personnel Management. I'm sorry. Office of Personnel Management. Uh, they are going to issue a ruling that says that the government can continue to make a contribution to the health care premiums of members of Congress and their aides. That's the whole thing. It's just that our tax dollars are going to subsidize their participation in the exchanges. It's not that they're going to get out of being yeah. in the exchanges, but they are going to get subsidized, whereas <laughs> exactly. we are not That's going to unless we yep. qualify for whatever their Obamacare. Yep. Anyway, we're all As we're if all they haven't taken screwed. enough money from the private sector, as if. Everyone's still screwed. They're still screwed. But not as screwed. Their health care is going to be killed, just like everybody else is. It's just they're getting taxpayer subsidies on and the way down. this is all for, to make it more affordable. That's the, right, that's the Affordable Care Act, right? Yeah, it's yeah. It's, it's so affordable. Affordable, you know what I mean. I mean, it, it just shows you how poorly written the legislation was. Well, they didn't, such that they didn't they, specify whether. No, but they didn't care. Be, what I'm saying is, yeah. they want to shoot out there uh, government control of the health care. That's it. And then whatever details, let's just you know, let's let's release it slowly and surely. It was all about getting control of health care. That's it. That was the goal. Nothing else mattered. <laughs> State defiance in the chat room. Actually, he's being very clever there today. Other people's money for OPM, definitely. That's what they're doing. They're spending our money faster than it can exist. <laughs> and then he really he get he gets two in in one little line of the chat room. Really, go over to don't let it. I mean, excuse me. Go over to a Blog Talk Radio and and get into the chat if you can, because state defiance is is on a roll here. Uh, first of all, he calls the Obamacare legislation Obama health control. That's right. So instead of right. gun control, it's health control. Exactly. So that's good. But he, then he asks. Will it cover sexual addiction for Anthony's wiener? <laughs> I, you know, I didn't want to talk about him this week. It's just truly revolting that he didn't leave. And that stupid video, he says, you know, that's how we roll in New York, as if he's some cool oh, dude. Oh, man. That was <laughs> Plus, he looked, he looked like a junkie. 
He's really bad. He's I mean, emaciated. I mean, the, the stress the guy must be under because he's trying but, yeah, to get away with it. He's doing it for New Yorkers. What are you talking about? He said, I'm doing it for New Yorkers, man. You know? I mean, he'll, he won't give them up. I don't, know, I don't know what he's doing it for because he's not doing it for himself. Well, he's doing it for political power. And he's doing it for fame in his own twisted way. You know, politics is for is is uh wait, uh, politics is Hollywood for ugly people. Was or what's it called Hollywood is politics. I don't know. Anyway, he's ugly and he fits right in. All I know is the the idea of calling him selfish is is uh, yep. weird. Yep. He he's delusional. He has no self. I mean, yeah, he has no self. He wouldn't do what he does if he, he did. Definitely, definitely, definitely delusional. So let's go ahead and talk about another bump in the road on the implementation of Obamacare. Georgia, the state of Georgia, is asking for an emergency delay on Obamacare. This is via the Washington Times. This story was published on August 1st, yesterday. Jessica Chasmer is the author. It says, Georgia's pleading with the U.S. Health Secretary Kathleen Sebelius for a 30-day extension beyond Wednesday's deadline. Why? Because they need to approve the health plans submitted by seven insurance companies who want to do business in the state. Now, what is this emergency? You know, why is it that they need this delay before they can approve it? Apparently, they are stunned or befuddled or they don't know what to do about the fact that the insurance plans that have been submitted there for their approval. I mean, this is oh garbage. You know, if you God. people talk about we have capitalism. Oh. I mean, talk, you know, this I, I'm gonna, I got a couple stories later. So this idea that we have capitalism yep. is garbage. I saw two stories, two stories on the Wall Street Journal. I actually don't think I uh, posted these on the on the blog. But when you look under business and finance on the Wall Street Journal, the front page where they tell you know give you the headlines of the stories. The first two stories were about the Justice Department interfering with the conduct of business. One was the Justice Department is going to supervise Apple about iTunes. And the other one was, and I'm I'm blanking on it now, the Justice Department was going to sue somebody. Oh, yeah, the Justice Department was going to sue Bank of America because of a certain transaction that Bank of America engaged in. The idea that we have anything close to a free market is... I mean, it's just, it's just insane. And then, just and then insane. you got like Howard Dean saying, we had eight years of capitalism under, under George Bush. That was capitalism yeah. to, to Howard Dean. So here, you know, under Obamacare, all of these insurance companies have to submit their plans to the state, and then the state can approve of them selling insurance in their state. No, the free market couldn't take care of it. No way, right? And Georgia, I guess, is stunned because the rate increase that would be faced by Georgians buying these plants would be 198%. It says the Georgia Insurance Commissioner Ralph Hudgens said that some rates, some of these seven plans, were 198% higher than current plans available in the state. And I say to Hudgens, duh, Obamacare is requiring the insurance companies to cover so much to accept the pre-existing conditions without discriminating against them, et cetera. Right. I mean, what, is, what do they expect? This what is the health expect? redistribution, quote-unquote health. Yeah. I mean, I mean it, 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 that is what it is. It's, it's a massive redistribution with a huge chunk taken off the top for government bureaucracy. Well, that is all it is. Yes. And it's, it, it's another way to steal. I mean, that's it. To steal our freedoms to, and wealth. To, to and steal... Health. To steal and to put chains around doctors. Yep. 
to not let doctors just do their jobs according to... I mean, if you guys listened when I interviewed Dr. Peter Laporte, and I interviewed him on the last day of the Tammy Bruce show, didn't I? I need to put that out there as a a perk for all of you. Um, Go go to my blog and, and just look for the shows that I have with Tammy Bruce and I you can see that, yeah. because I have a lot of good interviews there. And in an interview with Peter Laporte, I was surprised to hear that he actually didn't know whether his particular specialty, which is some sort of a bariatric surgery, you know, a, a weight loss type of surgery that helps people basically probably saves their lives. He didn't know whether that was going to be covered under Obamacare hmm. and whether or not he would be put out of business. He still doesn't know that. I think he's waiting to find out about that. That uh, is, to me, inconceivable no. to leave a doctor, a talented doctor, in, in the lurch like I that. I mean, it's chaos. It really is. Uh, people don't know. We don't know where the hell we're going. You know, with the with the economy, with the rules, with the regulations. That's he wants that. That's exactly what he wants. So definitely a, a total train wreck. Georgia's saying, oh, gee, you know, um, it says Georgia law only empowers Mr. Hudgens to deny premiums that are excessive. And apparently they think that of the seven insurance companies, six of them were seeking justifiable premiums. So everyone is going to be facing huge increases in premiums under the quote-unquote Affordable Care Act. It's disgusting. So let's let's just go on to solutions that have been proposed. I, I'm sick of talking about the yuckiness. And you can go to don'tfundobamacare.com yep. where Ted Cruz and Some others yeah. have uh, have been, I think, gallantly going out there and campaigning for a defunding of Obamacare. I guess there is... A September 30th yeah, new, right. you know, not budget, not a full budget, but you know, some sort of stopgap fund the government measure that Congress is going to be called upon to do again, and they will have the opportunity to say that we're not giving one dollar towards the implementation of Obamacare, yep. and that would be great. I mean, that would be wonderful if they chose to do it. I think, I think that that's true. Anything you can do to shut the implementation of this disgusting piece of legislation down. I mean, Obama himself knows that it's a disaster because he gave a one-year delay on the so-called employer mandate of Obamacare. Right. If it's so great, right. why do you have to delay it, right. Barack Obama? And, and one thing also about uh, Ted Cruz and Mike Lee with this proposal to defund it, uh, they're exposing their fellow Republicans as the rats they are. They have no problem with Obamacare. Oh, they, they didn't quote-unquote vote for it. They, they've done nothing to fight it. Nothing. And Ted Cruz and Mike Lee in particular have exposed them as such. They're part of Obama's whole push towards bigger government. And it's 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 scary because we have no American right party, no uh, viable one, at least right now, unless you got the uh, Tea Party, which is maybe coming around. And, you know, whatever. We'll talk about the uh, quote-unquote Libertarian Party. So let's let's give you the what might be termed the better GOP argument against defunding Obamacare, okay? Because there are, who, I mean, who are the ones that are saying it's crazy? Carl Rove, right? Carl Rove has been going Rover. around. Carl Rover. <laughs> he's, he's uh, you know, he's a guy who's responsible for the worst president before Obama. I mean, the worst president than Obama. I mean, it's, he was the biggest spender, the, 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 the biggest expander of government, the biggest Islamophile. The worst president ever, and then Obama comes around and makes it even worse. So he's the exasperator in chief. And Roe was behind it. They called him the Arctic. They called him Bush's brain. 
this is the guy who's basically saying, well, trying to defund Obamacare is quote unquote messy. So let's not uh, let's not uh, so so let's not do that. So, so basically, so, Obamacare itself is destructive, messy, every name in a book. But to try to defund it is messy, according to Karl Rove. Right, right. So let's listen quickly to what the argument must be behind that idea that it's quote-unquote messy. Uh, Ken Gardner, many of you guys might know him on Twitter. I don't even think he has a blog. He mostly puts his opinions out there either via Twitter or Facebook. Facebook is where I follow him. And um, this is what he posted yesterday. He says, and and all I've got on my blog at DontLetItGo.com is I have a link to his Facebook page. You're going to have to scroll down. Facebook doesn't have the ability to link to a particular post on Facebook, so you have to scroll down to his post from yesterday. This is what he says. He says, as most of you know by now, I'm not a fan of the shutdown strategy. He says, not because I'm afraid to fight the left and the media, but because it simply won't work. And he says, and I hate doing things that won't work. He says that's judging policies by intentions or emotionalism, not by results. So those of us who want to defund Obamacare are judging by intentions or emotionalism, not by results. Now, here's why he says why it won't work. He says because Obamacare is an entitlement program, he says because you know it's this entitlement, like all entitlement programs, it mandates the giving of benefits. So the congressional uh, resolution or whatever that the senators Lee Cruz and a few others are talking about, he says that would cover only the other Obamacare spending that is discretionary, money for the so-called navigators or to pay for the ads to promote Obamacare, et cetera. He says it doesn't affect the vast majority of Obamacare spending that is mandatory, not discretionary. And then he says the only way to really defund Obamacare is to repeal it entirely. The only way to repeal it entirely is with a GOP Congress and president, and he says, we'll get neither if we adopt the shutdown approach, which will serve only to inconvenience and unnerve tens of millions of Americans and turn them against us. He says, that's exactly what Obama and Harry Reid want, et cetera, that we would be, and this is what he says, we'd be chumps if yeah. we supported. Fighting it. Yeah. Anyway. So what do you guys think? That's what I. That's, this is what I want to know. Um, and we do actually have a caller here. Although the, if if you want to call and talk about no, but this, this is a very, go uh, ahead. Not only call at seven six zero eight 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 five eight one seven, but make sure to press the little button that Blog Talk tells you. I think press one or something that you actually want to chime in on the show mm-hmm. by phone. It has to be fought on every ground. It has to be fought in every single way by a word, by a deed, whatever you can do at this moment in time. We don't have a. We don't have a president. We don't have a right wing president. We don't have. You know, a Senate. We you know, we have the House. Yeah, right. I mean, who? You know, we have Boehner. You might as well have Pelosi in his position for what he's done. You have to fight it every single moment with whatever power that you have, every single time. If you're a principled leader, if you love the country, if you don't want to see this disgusting creature take us over, and uh, I just that sounds very practical in a very pragmatic political what we can do now kind of way. And to discourage, I mean, this is just, this is Karl Rove talk. This is big government. Uh, this is Boehner talk. It is. Well, and that's why I'm saying this is probably way more intelligent yes, than a, what Rove or Boehner could explain. It, it, what, right? what it comes down to is don't bother. Yeah. Don't bother fighting this. It's inevitable. And if we get a, a, a good president of Congress, then really, when these things get implemented, their whole thing is let's try to cut this off at the past before it gets implemented in, in any serious way. Let's try to... To, to to slow it down 
Let's try to, you know, and then when we get actually some good leaders, if, if the Tea Party does come through and basically takes over the GOP leadership, then you fight even more. And then if we get a, 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 an American president who actually likes the country, then we could actually maybe repeal it at that point. But you got to fight it at every single point. You can't just, it's like right now with Jihad. Well, we're not destroying them, so let's just get off this issue. Let's, let's, let's never talk about it until we get a good president. No, you fight it by word and by deed with what you can at this time. That's, that, that's what you do. I mean, th- this is really the question for me. Suppose, and I, I mean, I, he does his homework. Ken Gardner does his homework. So suppose he's right that it's the mandated part of the spending is going to happen no matter what, no matter what this continuing resolution is. That's what the, these stupid stopgap things are called. They're called continuing resolutions. The the term just occurred to me. But, you know, they, they've been funding the government by continuing resolutions for yeah. years <laughs> now, I guess, or maybe a year. Yeah. It's been funding Obamacare. Boehner. I mean, it's, it's, Boehner, who has the power of the purse to stop the funding of Obamacare, is funding it for the last three years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that's so, so. So basically, but what he's saying is that the only thing that they can stop is the discretionary spending, and that discretionary spending is the money for these so-called navigators, and the navigators are the people who are going to guide you through Obamacare. This is the thing. This is so disgusting, right? I think it's it's horrible that we need lawyers as much as we do in this country right now because the laws are so convoluted that in order to do anything at all, you practically need a lawyer, okay? So there's that. But now, in order to buy health insurance, apparently you need the help of a government-paid navigator who's going to navigate you through the various plans and decide which one is least bad for you. I was going to say best for you, least bad. They're all disgusting. And uh, so, so... Basically, we as taxpayers have to pay for these government navigators so that people can navigate through this horrible behemoth legislation and the disgusting plans that it is spawning. So um, there's also, of course, the ads to promote Obamacare. I would like to see the so-called celebrity ads that are going to promote Obamacare. I'd like to see those killed. One thing also. Why, why should Obama be able course, to win the public relations campaign? With the public money. So, so here's the question. Here's the question. Two thirds of the Americans don't want this crap. So, if they're going to turn on those who want to defund it, that doesn't make sense to me. Two thirds of us don't want this. And you know what? You don't fight evil only if you have full power behind you. You fight it when you're powerless. You fight it when you're kind of weak. You fight it at every turn. You make a moral argument against it, which is what these people are doing, which is what Ted Cruz and Mike. Right. This is important. This is important. And to dismiss that and call them chumps. I'm sorry. He's dead wrong. Dead wrong. <laughs> well, they're they're talking to you back there in the chat room, but it's a little bit off. Uh, so Robert NYC says, government-paid navigator who works part-time, so he is not right, covered exactly. by Obamacare. Exactly. They're and all trying to avoid it. They know the, it. Uh, the IRS enforcers of Obamacare, I think, are going to be part-time the, so that they don't have to be covered by Obamacare as from well. From the place right? that profile Tea Partiers is going to do this. What I'm saying is you have to fight this at every turn. You cannot get couples say, well, you know, let's not be chumps. Let's not fight this. Let, you know, let's fight. Every battle counts. Every battle. Let me play a little bit of devil's advocate or Ken Gardner's advocate. We won't quite call him the devil. Although, sorry, I think I, th- <laughs> my, I think he's wrong here. But yeah, it's, let, let's, it's, it's very, very Washington. Well, let, let's play devil's advocate, though. So they vote. They defund Obamacare. Suppose they get this through. And then Obama 
uses whatever sway he has left with the media, which I admit is eroding. Yes, okay, yes, the, it the, is. the CNN stories that I posted at don'tletitgo.com today, the fact that CNN, that yes. people at the Wall Street Journal are actually investigating these phony scandals. Yep. I think this is a sign that Obama's influence with the media is eroding. Okay, yep. um, but suppose Obama uses whatever influence he has to portray the Republicans as evil, as trying to trip the government up, as trying to stop the government from helping you, you get all the wonderful benefits of the Affordable Care Act, right? You fight back and tell the truth. Yeah. You fight back and tell the truth. Say, this guy's up no good. His bill is up no good. Look at what he did in Benghazi. Look what he did in here. The IRS, NSA, this is a bad guy. you got to make that argument. It doesn't matter what he says. And you know what? So what? If, if he speaks to those who want this, this, this crap, the one-third of Americans who actually want this bill, uh, the truth is on our side, not on his side. So mm-hmm. it doesn't matter what kind of uh, you know, medium that he has. Here, I, I agree with you, Bosch. And, and I think here is my basic answer for Ken Gardner. Uh, Ken, if you believe that this will not work, that this strategy is going to get a shot in the foot because we will, by telling the truth out there, even though we go out there and we tell the truth as much as we can, we are not going to be able to make it fly politically with the American people. I mean, I, I think Ted Cruz is That's doing a, a good job. Ted Cruz is doing an excellent job of portraying why he's doing what he's doing in a principled fashion, in a way that could convert people over yeah. to his side, right? Yeah. I think he's doing a good yes. job of this. On this one issue, I might disagree with Ted Cruz on other issues. I'll, I'll talk to him about abortion, try to talk him out of abortion someday. Whatever, let's, let's put that aside. I think he's doing a good job. If we are in such bad shape, if our culture is so bad, Right. That this strategy would backfire. Right. Then you go. Then. For the then we have a lot longer term strategy that we need to be conducting than we are. Yeah. We aren't going to have any political success in 2016. Even your dream of having somebody mm-hmm. who's going to win the presidency for the GOP, hopeless as they are. And be somebody who wants to repeal Obamacare? Ha, ha, ha. Good luck. You think if Boehner was president tomorrow that he would repeal Obamacare? There is no way in hell. So so what I say, Ken Gardner, is that because our strategy is, if you're right, a long-term one, if, you know, if, if you're wrong, you're wrong, and this is great. We get what we want. We actually win over the American public sooner than I think, right? So he's either wrong or he's right. It's either going to inspire our side or it's going to backfire and it's going to turn the American public against us, right? It's going to do one of two things. If it inspires, great. We've won. Ken Gardner's wrong. If Ken Gardner is right, then the strategy is a very long-term one. Holding back now is not going to help us win in 2016. You it's not going to happen. You need to prepare the battle now, yeah. today, morally, morally, and, morally. Right, right. And this is exactly, morally, Bosch, that is exactly the point. So my final point is that what Ted Cruz is doing, what Mike Lee are doing, this is the little bit of hope that those of us who you know, really want to radically change the scope of government, that's the little bit of hope we're being offered right now, yep. is this battle by Ted Cruz to fight the discretionary spending on Obamacare. It's, 
I mean, in a way, it's just pathetic, yeah. right? But this, this is, is where, where this is where we're getting emotional this is what fuel, you can do. right? This, this is, is what you can do. This is what you can do at this point. And he's always telling us, guys, I'm going to fight this at every turn. And later on, if I run for president, I will fight this even harder with full power. Yes. I mean, that's what he's telling us right yes. now. He's preparing the stage. It's not like you can only, you cannot only fight when you don't have when you have full power again. This is not how you do it. This is not how any battle begins. I, you know, I have to talk about this because this is the second time it's popped into my head. And uh, Leonard Peikoff told a story, and I, I, I don't remember the entire context, but it was the idea was, you know, somebody goes, oh, I know what it was. So, so he's talking to, um, you know, an associate professor or some tenured professor when he, he Leonard Peikoff was at the beginning of his career, and basically trying to talk Leonard out of being himself <laughs> of being out in the open about his radical ideas, right? Mm. You know, oh, you know, just just Turn write write your dissertation, you know, don't really put your ideas in there. And then when you get your assistant professor provision, you know, position when you don't yet have tenure, just, you know, write some mild stuff, right? And then of course, you know, when you become an associate professor, when you do have tenure, someday you're going to want to be the head of the department, so you wouldn't want to write right. anything that's going to piss yeah, anybody off, right. right? So when do you get to actually be honest about your views? Absolutely. Apparently on your deathbed, right. you can say, "Oh, by the way, I didn't believe any Absolutely of that." Right. I mean, just just, just just one small example. Also, if I if I decided to basically sell out and say, "You know what? I can't really criticize Islam and jihad anymore," so I'm going to go make a very liberal comic and maybe just get some sympathetic, sympathetic Muslim characters, and then later I'll tell the full truth. You have sold out already. I mean, you you have undercut what you actually believe in already. So it doesn't matter. You you set the terms on what. It is on the truth as you see it, and then you work from there. However small, however you know powerless you are at that point. Um, so uh, State Defiance says a uh, cruise missile. You know, it's funny, uh, Ted Cruz. But uh, you fight with what you can, and uh, if you and again, Ted Cruz is smart enough, especially because it says Iron Man is a great hero of mine. I, you know, one of my all-time heroes, Iron Man. Ted, Ted Cruz said that. It's important to me. It's important. It should be important to all of us. He understands. He has the truth on his side. And that is the biggest weapon you have. You know, it doesn't matter what Obama has. He has the media. The media is full of rats, lying rats. And people know this. Americans know this. Two-thirds of us know this, at least, if not more. Um, he has the truth on his side. Mike Lee has the truth on his side. And we can fight this. And again, it's setting the stage for a later battle, the big one, where we actually can repeal this thing. It's just important. It's, you cannot be worried about being called a chump or even thinking, because Harry Reid and Barack Obama, these are enemies of the United States of America. you got to fight them. You know, discredit them by telling the truth about them. So when he says this is all intentions or emotionalism, any intention or any emotion that is behind defunding this mess is a good one. And I think that what Ted Cruz believes is that he can stir up some momentum. And I think it, who was it in the chat room? I'm glad the chat room over at Blog Talk Radio is very active right now. Somebody made a comment about the fact that it might actually put a spark under the right or, you know, the right, the good guys. I don't don't know what to call the good guys anymore. Ted Cruz is single-handedly doing that. He's given us hope. He's le- he's okay. This is what kind of Republican could be in the in the future. And let's say if the GOP does go to hell, does go away, then then he's he'll, he'll he'll be the head of the Tea Party, whatever it is, whatever it ends up being, the American Right Party. He'll be there. He'll be the head because he he showed us early on. This is where we can head. This is where we can you know make the arguments. Unlike uh, what we're being told <laughs> by Carl Rovis, you know, by the by the Bush people. 
oh, we don't want to do that. It's it's messy. Um, I mean, another thing about Ted Cruz. Dude, you're supposed fought. to get dirty. You're supposed to fight for us. That's we, the whole thing. We put you in this office. A, look, we put you guys in office. The Revolutionary and War. And you're not going to fight because it's messy? The Revolutionary War was messy and bloody. You know, the Civil War to end slavery was messy, bloody. This is a battle for for us. Again, it, you cannot have America and Obamacare at the same time. It's no longer America. One will eat the other. Clearly, Obamacare will eat America. You can't have that. As far as I can tell, as far as I can tell, this has a chance of starting some momentum. And again, it was it was Ed in the chat room who made the uh, the comment earlier. He says, "I think that we would lose the defunding fight at a tactical level." That means Ed is a glass half empty kind mm-hmm. of person. Um, he says, what's not clear is whether this will put a spark under the right or the left. Well, if you're not clear about that, then maybe you're not a glass half empty person, Ed, because I think the tactics is the spark. 55 to 50% Americans want to kill this thing. Yeah. When they hear Ted Cruz say this, they are completely on board. They're not with Obama. Obama doesn't have the argument. He doesn't have it. He thinks we were ready for this. He, he's dead wrong. We're Americans. Obama has already shown by his selective delaying, by the waivers given to all of his cronies, et cetera, that this is a bad piece of stuff. And this no. this latest, this congressional fix, no. you know, w- one thing that I didn't emphasize enough when I was talking about that story of the Office of Personnel Management putting this out there, isn't that legislating through just an office – of personal management rule or regulation, right, I don't. Right, I don't right, think right, that they're right. supposed to be able to right. legislate that way. Right, and just come out and change things up. Okay, that no, no, this is. I'd, li- uh, I'd like to see that challenged. I'd like to see that challenged. I like and, to see and, everything challenged. To, I mean, every little thing. You fight him. Again, he's he's wrong. He's dead wrong on so many things. He's actually he's, he's an unconstitutional president. Every and and he said something recently about well he'll do his thing and if they challenge it then they'll challenge it. Meaning yeah. I will be I will do anything I want. And if you want to challenge it, good. Meaning he knows he'll get through because who's across from him? Boehner. The chump. The real chump. Yeah. Ken Gardner. Not those who are fighting this. Those who are not fighting it are the chumps. I I definitely agree. And so, again, I say either Ted Cruz is right that there is some hope for creating a spark, creating some momentum in favor of a government that is less intrusive in our lives. And he's got exactly the issue to peg it on. Obamacare is the worst takeover of a huge industry in a long, long time. It's It's one that is affecting everyone. Everyone's already starting to see the consequences. It will change the country fundamentally like it's never been changed before. So, So he's got the issue. He's going out there in a principled way to fight it with everything that he can, which is very little, uh, you know, admittedly. And either it's going to work or it's not work. It's not going to work. And suppose it doesn't work. Suppose that the majority of Americans come to see Ted Cruz as a spoil sport who is trying to deny them from all the great benefits that the Affordable Care Act is promising. Suppose that's true. We are so lost. We are so lost that what I want personally is I still want Ted Cruz to do this 
just so I have some emotional fuel to go on and continue the long-term battle. That's what I say, Kid Gardner. He's the only one my mind goes to. Whenever I think about Washington, you know, I'm sorry, I, I'm just upset. I condemn the GOP. I, I mean, this this week, check out my blog if you want. I got four or five cartoons up top. It's just condemning the GOP. As we're we're going we're to talk about one. But in just, a, just next one thing. Hour. I want to say the GOP. They're done. I mean, and fundamentally, they are. They're they're not what they were. That they were the basically they were the anti-slavery party. Now they're the pro-government party. They're done. And then I got Ted Cruz. My, you got the GOP, you got the uh, Democrat Party, and you have Ted Cruz. And maybe Rand Paul. And maybe Rand Paul maybe. and Mike Lee. But that's about it. But Ted Cruz is really the guy. Rand Paul, bad, good, good, bad, back and forth, okay, you know, not good enough. Ted Cruz, uh, on the few issues that we disagree, yeah, with abortion, probably with gay marriage. But he's an American, and he represents it, – it's like Reagan. Reagan represented Americans in a big way. I mean, most Americans are religious. He was religious. Objectivists don't like that as well. He was religious. Yeah, most Americans are. The founding fathers were to some extent. So he did represent them in, in, in that sense. So he's a good representation of America. And I think he's rational. I I, I don't see him doing what, what some of the other ones are doing about uh, about these issues. But in terms of protecting the country, defending the Constitution, uh, understanding the importance of America – he understands that, and that's why we got to get behind him. State Defiance there in the chat room says, Cruz is right. He says, the question is, are there enough people who can hear and comprehend it? We're Americans. Yes, that's exactly the issue. Yeah. And I think Ken Gardner is saying that there aren't yeah. enough Americans yeah, who can that, hear that and comprehend it. I mean, and, and We have it, not had so. anyone We have not had anyone good out there. No. The last decent president was Reagan. That's it. And before him, who knows? But we have not had anyone good. And, and, and Reagan had landslides, back-to-back landslides. When do we get landslides in, 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 in presidential elections? Never. Never. Yeah. Landslides. Why? Because he truly represented Americans in a lot of ways. He did. Whatever you disagree with him, he truly did. In the best sense. Right. And it's you, a good and, country. And, and you've got your qualms with Reagan, right? Uh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, he, he, he allowed Hezbollah to get away with killing 241 Marines and said, well, we don't, get, we don't want to get in that mess. We were in that mess. Terrible decision. He regretted it. He also got in bed with the Afghanis and said, well, we have to fight the atheistic Russians. That's not how you fight the atheistic Russians, by getting in bed with these madmen. But no. whatever, overall with the economy. And you know what? People criticize him also. Well, he didn't do enough to, to limit government. He, he had he had the Republicans who were anti-Reagan, anti-small government even back then. So he had to fight them. So to, to that extent, he was a great president for what he was able to do. Definitely. To that extent. Definitely. Sorry. No, it's fine. We're at the top of the hour. This is Don't Let It Go Unheard, and you have been listening to cartoonist Bosch Faustin, who's here in the studio with me, your host, Amy Peekoff, and we have been discussing quite for quite a long time here the Obamacare train wreck disaster, and in particular, how totally, uh, I don't know, I don't even know what, what adjective to use here, uh, how disgusting I was going to say revulsifying and disgustipating. Let's go ahead and get those in there. Uh, revulsifying and disgustipating it is that our politicians are going to have their Obamacare premiums subsidized by all of us thanks to an Office of Personnel Management ruling that apparently came through because of Barack Obama's personal involvement. Go ahead and check out the political story at my blog, don'tletitgo.com. I've got links there under the program notes section. Let me just add before we go on to our next story that my solution is that all of the congressional staffers and the congressmen who employ them, all of the ones who voted yes for Obamacare, they should be 
Yes. Stuck with it. Of course. And everyone, on it. yeah, all the people who voted no should be able to get out of it. Absolutely. And I think that would probably solve the problem pretty, yeah. pretty quickly. Yeah. And they should just keep having votes. Yeah. And the, you know, just just see what happens. That would be wonderful. But of course, they'll never do that. That is just my little pipe dream. In the meantime, I do. I, I support. I support Ted Cruz on don'tfundobamacare.com. Go ahead and go check it out and sign the petition. Let you know you you know let him know that you support him as well. Let's go ahead and change gears here. Obviously, we think the GOP is garbage and washed up. If it takes a wacko bird. That's right. Somebody denounced by the GOP leadership to light a fire under people to prevent a takeover of one-sixth of the American economy. It, it's just disgusting. So you might think, well, what about the Libertarian Party, right? Libertarian Party, they're an alternative. Uh-huh. To what? Tea Party is sort of a subset of the GOP. It's not clear where they're going. But, you know, the Libertarian Party, they've always been for smaller government. So I saw this article this week, and I couldn't resist posting it. It's from The Telegraph over in the UK, and the headline is, Uruguay and Marijuana, a Guide to the World's Most Libertarian Countries. And when I saw this headline, I clicked on it, A Guide to the World's Most Libertarian. I was thinking, you know, United States goes to hell. Maybe we find a cool place to go move to. You know, I don't think of myself as a libertarian. I think of myself as an objectivist, you know, which is different. But we share a lot in common with libertarians. So your impulse is that maybe the Telegraph has an idea of what the actual essence of liberty is in some way. And so go click on the link and see what it is. Right. So I had to go look at this. And they talk about the issues that libertarians care about and how those issues are treated by the government in different countries. Right. So if you you know, care about these issues, then you would want to know how the governments of various countries handle them and choose where you want to live accordingly, right? Assuming that we live in a free world and we're allowed to to go anywhere and live where we want to live. So why not? Drugs. Drugs is the first issue they discuss. If you care about the legalization of drugs, then you would like to go to maybe Portugal. Portugal, it says, became the first European country to decriminalize the possession of all drugs for personal use. Then there are also state-funded therapy programs for abusers, blah, 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 blah. The, the size of government doesn't come up, does it, here? Um, it do, no, it doesn't talk about, not, no. not, not under the drug issue. So no, there's, no, 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 no. The, I'm talking about in, the, in their top issues. Not in the top issues, Nothing, right? Which so, is, which is so, so number dead. one, number one, the first issue they discuss. <laughs> you know, it's just like if, if I look at a food product and you want to read the ingredients, if you actually read the ingredients of the food that you eat, if you don't find that too, too scary, usually the first ingredient is the most predominant right, ingredient. Right, right, it's the right, one exactly. that, you know, yeah. it, the highest percentage of whatever that yep. cookie that you're eating is. Yep. So... Similarly, when they say, here's a guide to the most libertarian countries, they're talking about various issues and how they're treated in the different countries. I assume that drugs is the most important to them because that was the first the first one on the list. So you, if you're concerned about drugs, you can go to Portugal. You can go to the Czech Republic. That's number two. And you can go to North Korea. Bosh, North Korea. Yeah, he'll be back in a second, Bosh. Okay, so uh, North Korea is the third on the list. And it says, uh, oh, actually, no, third on the list because you can't do drugs there. Okay, good. 
Oh, phew. I was like, God, is drug is North Korea liberal with respect to drug abusers? No, I was wrong. I was wrong. Drug abusers in North Korea will face a firing squad. Okay, so don't go to North Korea. Good. I'm so glad that they weren't uh, that lenient about libertarianism. Okay, how about gay rights? In Argentina, that was the first country in Latin America to legalize gay marriage. So that's good. Um, they have a gender identity law. It blazed another libertarian trail by allowing transgender citizens to have their sex alerted on their birth certificates. Okay, that's nice. Oh, not not alerted, altered. Okay, I can't read today. I'm sorry, guys. Um, so they can have their sex altered. Transgender citizens can have their sex altered on their birth certificates in Argentina. So that, I think, is pretty forward-looking. Uh, and then the third issue on their list is prostitution. And they talk about Canada, Germany, and the Netherlands. In the Netherlands, as many know famously, prostitution is legal. So if you are concerned with the legality of those things, then, yeah, you want to go to those countries. But this is the thing that got me about this article. The top three issues under a guide to the most libertarian countries are drugs, gay rights, and prostitution. Only number four is taxes. And then it's taxes, right? So if I was talking about the you know, aspects of government that I would be most concerned about, that I would want to know the most about before I decided whether to move there, I don't think that my top issues would be drugs, Gay marriage, okay, gay marriage is a legitimate issue. I think that gays should have the right to marry, and we've talked about that before on this show. Would it be one of the top issues that I would talk about or be worried about? No, it wouldn't be one of the top issues. I'm not gay. I guess if I was gay, then there would be a little bit more concern on my part for that. But, you know, and and there is concern, but it's just, it's just not my top, okay? You know, again, you have to prioritize these things in some way or another. You want to read about, you know, what other countries do with respect to this. For me, for me, the top, top issue would be government regulation. Government regulation. How much does the government regulate the economy? How much does it interfere in the lives of people who are, do- are trying to, be productive, trying to produce values. And I, I, I'm hoping that your own Brooke would agree with me or that if he doesn't, he would correct me on this. But I would say regulation first. Regulation is the first thing I would want to know about. How involved is the government in the economy in telling producers the way that they have to do their jobs? And as I said, you go to the Wall Street Journal, you go to the business and finance section, the first two stories in business and finance are about the Department of Justice interfering in the lives of producers in Apple and in Bank of America. That shows that we're not doing very well in the government regulation spectrum. I would love to see countries that are doing better. Regulation first. Second, for me, spending. Not taxes. Not taxes yet, right? And and I agree. Jerome Brook has talked about this numerous Mm -hmm. times, that spending, getting spending down, is way more important than taxes. Taxes are important, yes, if they really had a you know a confiscatory, how's that for pronunciation, yeah. confiscatory tax rate, like 70% of your wealth or something. Yeah, then you start really getting concerned. Yeah. But I would say that spending, cutting spending is more important first. Here, like I said, they start out, they've got drugs, gay rights, and then prostitution. After that, they have taxes. Taxes would probably be my third. Yep. Taxes would be third for me. 
but they have taxes as number four. And then they have, after that, after taxes, they don't have spending, they don't have regulation, they have corruption. Corruption? Corruption. Okay. What, what kind? What's the... What do they see as corruption? It says, according to Transparency International, Denmark and New Zealand are the world's least corrupt countries, both with scores of 9.3 out of 10 on the Corruption Perception Index. Corruption Perception? (laughs) Oh, no. That is so subjective sounding. (laughs) But, I mean, you know, let's get back to basics. If politicians do not have the power to tell you what to do, then the government is less corruptible. Yes. Right. Right? So I want to know regulation first. I want to know spending second. And then I want to know taxes third. And then after that, maybe let's talk about corruption. Let's talk about gay rights. Individual rights. And- uh, pretty far down on the – way far down on the list would be drugs and prostitution. Yeah, yeah I agree. Drugs and prostitution should be legal. That's no, but that's fine. their idea. But- so some libertarians think they want they can smoke weed all day, and that's that that's freedom. And if uh, – us, uh, Robert NYC brings up Gary Johnson's entire campaign was about drugs. Exactly. You remember him on uh, How Terrible on uh, Red Eye? What he's talking? Yes. What do you say about drugs? Like he actually contradicted himself to some extent about the freedom of uh, drugs. And yeah, he was he was talking about how then we could regulate. We, we, we could regulate yeah, them and yeah. tax them. Yeah, and that's a good thing. It's like, <laughs> well, okay, that's your that's your issue. Okay. So that's your libertarian. How bad was he as a candidate? I mean, talk about a wet noodle. I mean, wow. That. Uh, Ed in the chat room says he disagrees. I think he disagrees maybe about our corruption piece or no? I don't uh, know. You'll have to call in, Ed, or, or type some more and tell us why you why you disagree because that could be a good conversation for sure because Ed is no dummy. Um, but, you know, for me, I want to see regulation first. What power does the government have to tell people how to live their lives and particularly how to live their productive lives because – you're going to put more and more chains on the economy through more and more regulation. Okay, we've got Ed. Ed is going to disagree with me here, so this this could be fun. Hi, Ed. Hey, hey can you hear me? Yes, I can. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> I am. Uh, I don't really want to disagree with you. I uh, I do think economic uh, freedom is extremely important, um, but I I I have to go back to what the founders uh, thought was important, and that is, you know, freedom of speech freedom of religion, freedom of the press, freedom of assembly, um, the, you know, a, a, a rational justice system that protects uh, people f- from arbitrary arrest or arbitrary detention or whatnot. I think, right. you know, I think you're right because um, I'm, I'm taking for granted yeah, behind here much. that we have freedom of speech. Freedom of speech is pretty much protected. I mean, even the United States is not perfect anymore, unfortunately. But freedom of speech is something that you would have in any of these countries that we're talking about, whereas I think other things are up for grabs. Now, it could get different from that. So I agree. Freedom of speech is the top issue. And then probably after that, I'd put regulation. Um, Freedom of religion, uh, I mean, if you have a state-established church or something, I'd start getting worried. But in most of these countries, you probably still have basic freedom of religion. Yeah, Ed? Or no? Yeah, I mean, obviously North Korea you don't, but um, yeah. and you know, whole swath of the world doesn't have freedom of religion. And uh, now you and I and Bosch and maybe many of our listeners are not very religious, but um, but just the fact that we're not religious 
that, that also um, can be oppressed in, in many countries in some ways. So I, I do think that's very important. I, I realize that economic freedom um, is, is important. And a lot of these countries where you have corruption, one of the reasons why they talked about corruption was um, it, it impedes people from starting businesses. You, you can't, you've got to pay off too many people and the fact that it to be successful just a little bit, they can come in and crush you. So, well, right, but, uh, why, but, but, but why can they crush you, right? Because there are the building codes and there are the zoning laws and there's this and that, and those are the people that you have to pay off and those are the ones who are the subject of the corruption. So, you know, I, I go you're back thinking, to... You're thinking a lot more like in the United States where there's the rule of law. It's just the local official or the local mayor or the local police chief or the local guy with a gun he wants you to pay him money. You know, I mean, a lot of these countries, especially in Latin America and whatnot, are, are uh, you know, are not really comparable. You got to get your head into that kind of weird view where, you, you know, you, you, everybody has to be paid, and uh, it's it's hard for anybody to grow under those circumstances to to have an idea and garage and start a business and grow a family. But, but you know, company. again, if, if if the government didn't have the power to initiate force against its citizens, right, then sure. the, corru- the corruption issue would be nil. But you're talking about, where you know, whereas here the, the problem is there's so many regulations that are actually on the books saying that this person and this person and this person are all people that you have to clear right. – before you can start your business, you know, the zoning guy and the building code yeah. guy and whoever else. And so, therefore, those are the people that you might have to bribe. But you're saying in these other countries, it's not, oh, that there's building codes or zoning laws or any of this. It's just that the police chief ha- is omnipotent, I guess, yeah. and could stop you for any pretense of any reason. He's is that the law. idea? He's a law in that moment, yeah. 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 I, I, yeah, I guess I, I'm, I'm, I, I, I'm not, I'm not talking about that comment. kind of society, huh? I'm definitely not talking about that kind of society. I'm talking about yeah, some I'll, place that has a pretense of rule of law. <laughs> I'll end by saying, you know, I, I too, uh, you know, I certainly don't think that, I think the drug war is a disaster and really, really hurting this country. And I, I you know, and I'm sure a prostitution should be legal at all. But oh, I yeah. really wonder about libertarians. I, I, I read libertarian literature. Um, and and my God, they do. It's it's nothing but hookers and weed, you know. Right. And I just think that that if that's how they think they're going to, you know, sell freedom or but, in some sense libertarianism but, to the youth, they're just a disaster. Yeah, which is why they're not politically viable party at all. They're just not. And this is you know, when when what's his name? Gary Johnson comes up, he's the actual official libertarian he, he brings up drugs. Uh, almost he's, like a he's, first, he's the most respectable libertarian, I mean, it, right? It, it, it's like <laughs> he brings up drugs and he brings up uh, uh being nice to Iran. I mean that's that's his idea of what what will appeal to Americans. It's 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 just impossible. The one thing I liked about Gary Johnson, although it was a bit of a blunt instrument, was the idea that he was gonna cut, I believe, forty percent of the budget just across the board. Non 
discriminatory. You know, every single department, every single everything of government was going to get a 40% budget cut across the board. I would be a little more nuanced if I was doing it, but I guess if you're smoking marijuana, then all you could really think about is the 40% cut. I'm sorry. Now, was he caught smoking during, the, during the debates? Yeah, I don't I mean, I, I feel like he was definitely out of it during that one debate oh, yeah. where they, ba- no, they, they basically – Threw him a bone big time when they gave them a que- they gave all the guys a question about you know something that you've accomplished outside of politics or whatever and he had a, a clear invitation to say look I'm a mountain climber I've cl-, you know I think that those things can inspire people and be a little he, bit relevant you know I, I think it's an accomplishment to climb these really tall mountains where you might die because the air is so thin and blah 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 uh, blah what, why didn't he talk about that and the best yeah. moment that he had in, in the debates wasn't his line anyway he actually repeated uh, some some Stafford's line that, that Rush Limbaugh had said earlier in the day, if you recall, people applauded. It was great. He actually stole the yeah, line. Yeah, no, he so. was he was definitely helpful. Terrible. So, so Ed, I, you did you you also made that comment on the "Don't Let It Go" on her page on Facebook, which I thought was an excellent comment. Which is, if these people are worried about hookers and weed, then what have we come to? You know, what what yeah. kind of hope is there for the future? No, it, it's a necessary can wonder. I, it's about fruit. Can, first and foremost, uh, can I give you uh, just um, you know, I certainly have nothing to do with the Libertarian Party. They're completely useless. But I, I do want to talk about. Uh, just for for a few seconds, I want to talk about uh, Cruz and Lee and Paul to to some respect. Um, mm-hmm. You guys and I were were probably about the same age. We probably became politically aware in the Reagan era. And you mentioned Reagan earlier. And I remember I remember growing up in the Reagan era, and he would say something really good, and then he would do something really bad, and then he would agree to a tax increase, and then he would do. And, and it's just. And I was just so upset with Reagan because he said so so many good things, but then he he did some bad things. You know, I'd say he I'd say he'd scored like a a thirty percent. You know, I I think Reagan was like thirty percent, right? And I was really frustrated at the time. Now, thirty years later, I look back on Reagan, and he's a giant. Yeah. He, right. He, you know, uh, uh, the, the the Cold War, the fixing the inflation, the the cutting the taxes. Um, you know, uh, the strategic defense, the building up America's defense, going from where we couldn't even, you know, uh, do anything, um, you know, militarily to, to being the strongest military power in the world. I mean, he's a giant. He was 30% correct, and he's a giant. So, yeah. Imagine what would happen to America. Imagine if yeah. we had someone who was 50% correct or yeah. 60% correct. And so, when you look at Cruz and Paul and Lee, don't worry that they're not 100%. Don't judge them by the standard well, of 100%. Judge oh, yeah. them by the standard of the giant, which was Reagan, who was only 30% right. Uh, you know what I mean? No, and on that, standard, on that standard, these guys have the potential to just revolutionize America and bring, bring, us, bring us back from this depths of this depression that we're in. I mean, the, no, no, go on, based sorry. on a real standard. That's what I'm trying to say. And I, that's why I'm really excited by these guys. Yeah. And I mean, so so you agree with me, Ed, that Ted Cruz should press on even if they can't defund the mandatory part and even if there is a potential for backlash with the public and everything, this guy should press on. As long as he's articulating the reasons in a, in a rational fashion, which I think he is, mm-hmm. I think we should, you know, fight them on the beaches, fight them on the landing grounds, fight them on the hills and the streets. You know, I mean, Every I, moment. N- never surrender. Never. 
That's and that's what, that's what they're showing. That's what they're showing. No matter what, it's, it's only what a dozen, a dozen senators who actually want to fight this. Only a dozen. I mean, and they still want to fight. They still want to move ahead. They don't need the entire, you know, Republicans behind them. They're like, well, we will stand for what's right, if they follow or not. Apparently, there is a real chance to get this part done. And I think enough politicians know that this is the train wreck that it is. Believe me, maybe they can be convinced. And and if it works, they would they would want to jump on that bandwagon. Of course, they do because they're followers. They're not leaders. You know, Ted Cruz is a leader. You know, he is. Yes, he is. the, the other thing I like about his website, the Don't Fund Obamacare, I haven't visited it in a, in a little bit, but i I got to get over there because coming up, the vote is, I think, on September 30th. Is that right? I so this is actually a long-term strategy that right. they have. It's not like it's next week. Right. And what they're asking people to do is not just donate money, because I think donating money to it actually is good, though. You know, right. pay pay for these guys to zoom around the country and deliver a principled message. But the other thing is that they're asking that you actually call these politicians who are either undecided or against or whatever well, no. it is, call them, all right? Even call the ones that are going to, to vote for their, you know, defunding of Obamacare, the ones that are crucial. Just call them and congratulate them and say, good job for you for actually standing up for the American people for a change. Yep. And, you know, instead of saying, oh, well, as long as we get our Office of Personnel hmm. Management exemption for us, what do I care if the American people suffer through Obamacare? I mean, it's... No, there's that <sighs> disconnect. You know, there there is them and there is us, and that's where we are right now. It is true, the ruling class. Anything more, Ed, before we go on to the issue of the phony scandals, the supposedly yeah, phony no, scandals? I, <laughs> I will leave you. Thank you for letting me speak to Pi. Thanks, Ed. Thanks very much, Ed, and thanks for listening Bye. to the show and participating in the chat room. It's always intelligent stuff. <sighs> Uh, Flycatch in the chat room says that these people won't take the calls. Some staffer's going to answer. There's going to be an answering machine, and you're going to tell them how you feel. Yeah. We'll do it. Put enough pressure on them. I mean, again, the fact that, you know, to me, that's kind of a naysayer attitude again. The fa- Suppose they don't take my calls. Okay. You're trying. You still make it. You're you're trying to do it with every ounce of energy that you have to try to say this is something that we can do. It's easy to, to not do anything. I mean, it's, it's the easiest thing in the world. I mean, it really is. Yeah, don't have pretensions that it's going to shut the entire thing down, but do think, well, look, maybe I can stop them from funding the celebrity commercials advertising Obamacare, which are going to be truly disgusting oh, to watch. Man. That we're forced to pay for. Yeah. So let's go on. Again, if, if other people want to call in, 760-888-5817 is the number. 760-888-5817. Big caps. Yeah, we got caps going on. Or not caps, but a uh, big font in the chat room over there. may have to, to, to deal with that, but we'll see. Anyway, let's go on to other stories. Phony scandals. Remember Obama has been out there deriding the Republicans for even daring to talk about the phony scandals, Benghazi, the Department of Justice, right? Remember the one about the Department of Justice subpoenaing the Associated Press? That that one's actually, that one's been off the the radar for a while. It shouldn't be. But Obama's, oh, all these scandals are phony. He's, that's code for don't look yep. too close. Let me just distract you with that's this. It. Don't don't look behind the curtain. So let, to speak. let me pretend I still have the power that I do and go on. And Bosch this week has a nice little piece over at front page. Phony scandals? No. Instead, he says it's phony investigations. Yep. 
phony investigations. And who's conducting these phony investigations? It is our GOP. He's got a great little cartoon here of Boehner and McConnell. So tell us a, a little bit about your thinking behind it, Bosch. No, well, just you know, there, you know, this guy comes out there and says phony scandals, and it's like he doesn't expect anyone to to, to challenge him about that. And he can say that because uh, Republicans haven't done their job. He knows that they're having phony investigations. They're having phony votes even against Obamacare. You know when they make the votes against Obamacare? They know it's it's impotent. That's even phony. So he knows he's dealing with some phonies, and uh, he's acting accordingly. And the media's letting him get away with it, as as usual. But uh, something blew up. Something not phony blew up on CNN. Could I jump there? Or, yeah, or just, go right ahead. Yeah, just, just about, uh, supposedly there were dozens of CIA agents on the ground in Benghazi who are being basically shut up. And they're being, uh, they've had to change their names because basically the administration wants to keep them away from the media. So this Benghazi thing doesn't become a real, true, maybe maybe administration breaker. Yeah, over if you go to the program notes at don'tletitgo.com, I've got links to both the stories. The, it is CNN. Yep. Okay. So the, it's quote unquote the, legitimate. The, the, the Communist News Network, yes. <laughs> but not really. Um, because what they're doing is they're actually pursuing this story. They are pursuing and, the exclusive news leads that Jake they Tapper, are getting. And Jake formerly from ABC, who's a pretty decent reporter, and he's pretty legitimate. He is. Uh, he actually is behind this, and there was a, there's a video on it on CNN, which says this story is about to blow up uh, because it's far deeper, far more, far worse than we thought. It's not just the uh, the uh, cover-up between uh, Hillary and, uh, and Obama. Now there are people who know exactly what happened and who are being shut up who are not being allowed to speak to the media, not being allowed to speak to congressmen, to anyone, to any investigators. And uh, this is just a new, a new, you know, it, it, It's a new revelation, yeah. and it shows that these scandals are anything but phony. Yep. And we're coming up almost, can you believe, on the anniversary of Benghazi? I can't believe it, no. we're, It's almost going to be one year since Benghazi, yep. and the GOP has not gotten to the bottom of it. No. I am kudos, kudos, kudos to CNN yeah. for continuing to pursue what so many people think is a phony story. I, the, the the first, as you said, the yeah. first uh, leak that they had earlier this week was just the dozens of CIA yeah. operatives being on the ground during yeah. Benghazi, and that's the first link I have over at the page. But the other one that's even more uh, troubling, if you actually care about integrity and you care about an administration doing its job to protect the lives of American people, what is more troubling is this one, CNN, and this is a, a mediaite story, but they're talking about the actual coverage on CNN. They've got a screen grab, the whole bit. CNN, CIA pressuring agents with mm. knowledge of Benghazi to keep silent. Quote, you jeopardize your family. I mean, this is, end quote. This is mafia. This is absolute mafia style. And The Godfather happens to be Obama's favorite movies, you know. So this is absolute mafia style, threatening them. With what and for what? Because they know that if the truth comes out, Obama gets really hurt to the point where the midterms are lost. Right. So this is just another political cover-up. We got some strange noise here. I don't know what's going on. People in the chat room, let me know if you're still getting good sound because I had a very strange noise like a in call my in sound. That's what it sounds like. Usually when you go to Skype, there's I recognize that sound. It's like a oh, water. someone's trying to ping me on yeah, Skype or water something. Dropping. I don't know. Weird. That's very kind of strange because they shouldn't know my Skype handle, which I don't give out, but very, uh, very fun. Okay, people say we still have good sound, so let's go on. Uh, so so CNN's uh, yes. Jake Tapper yeah. says broadcast a report on Thursday. 
in which the network's reporters allege that the CIA is pressuring agents who were on the ground the night of the attack on the Benghazi consulate from take from talking to Congress or the media. The agents in question have nev- have been subjected, according to the report, to an inordinate, um, inordinate amount of polygraph testing in order to ensure that they are not talking about the Benghazi attacks. Yep. So sources now tell CNN dozens of CIA agents were on the ground that night, Tapper revealed, and he says that the CIA is going to great lengths to make sure whatever they were doing and what happened that night remains a secret. I mean, and it says, since January, some CIA operatives involved in the missions in Libya have been subject to frequent, even monthly polygraph examinations. This is revealed by the CNN reporter Drew Griffin. It says, the goal of the questioning, according to sources, is to find out if anyone is talking to the media or Congress. It says, it's being described as pure intimidation with the threat that any unauthorized CIA employees who leak information could face the end of his or her career. Says one communication obtained by CNN, a CIA source revealed that the threats are having the effect of preventing agents with knowledge of what happened from coming forward. Uh, one anonymous source wrote, quote, you don't jeopardize yourself, you jeopardize your family as well. It says you have no idea of the amount of pressure being brought to bear on anyone with knowledge of this operation. So CNN thinks this is big enough to break as an exclusive. Yeah. All of you people who say it's phony scandals, who say it's just talking points. Well, CNN was a phony channel up until this moment, so that's you know good for them. Yeah. I mean, these people are doing their job. These people are doing yeah, their job. Yeah, and Jake Dapper will be relied on to be a former honest than his colleagues. I mean, he is, he's better. He's a better reporter. And he, his bias is, is not that obvious. I think he's a liberal, but it's not that obvious, which is good. State Defiance in the chat room says that Matthews is busy scratching the tingle that's going up his leg, too busy to do that. You got the Matthews with Ted Cruz thing, or yeah, he, yeah, yeah. Uh, we are we are going to talk. Also, about in terms of phony, you know, you got a phony phony Republican, uh, John McCain, who said the old day. I don't know if this is a little off or no. Is it about Benghazi? No, it's it's about uh, Paul and Hillary and just just in terms of phony, you know. And, oh, the phoniness! How phony the GOP basically, is. Basically, yeah, she says, uh, you know, John, my friend, my friend, McCain, you know, you know, his, that's his, that's the most memorable part of a speech from the oh wait election. Anyway, he was asked about uh, Hillary and 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 Rand Paul. He 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 thinks it's a tough uh, tough thing to decide between. I mean, you know, it's, it's, she's a rock star, you know, she's a rock star, she's highly regarded, uh, and this guy's a wacko bird, so you know. This this guy is just uh, so. I had this one cartoon. It's called uh, POW to POS. Check it out on my blog. That's all. And now we return. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> after a word from our sponsor, too. No. Um. Sorry. One, one last thing. Uh, McCain accidentally went into a meeting with Obama and oh, Democrat yeah. staffers. Accidentally. And yeah, got he, applause. Yeah. And they, got they applause from Why? the Democrats. Now, accidentally, no. He belongs there. He has to end up there. He's not. He he he. You know, he keeps going across the aisle, across the aisle. Go to the across the aisle and live there. That's where you belong. That's what right. a heck. That's right. Now Gabrielle in the chat room says that Rand Paul had the theory that if the truth of Benghazi came out, it would reveal arms funneling operations into Syria. And I have Possible. I've heard something right. like that. I did too. The other thing that I heard, and this was way, you know, below the radar a while ago, was that there was a secret operation whereby they were going after Al Qaeda but they weren't telling us about whatever it was that they were doing and that this 
operation, whatever it was doing around the time of the attack, angered a whole bunch of them. And this, the attack on Benghazi was just retaliation for this secret operation that we don't know anything about. Whatever, whether, it is, whether it's you know funneling this area, yeah, whatever the it is, it's, it's they do not want it to be known. The Obama administration does not want it to be known. Whatever it is, it must be terrible. I mean, it must be terrible. Besides the fact that he probably just uh, for eight hours did nothing and put the the, uh, the stand down order, you know, to not save Americans deliberately to not save Americans. Besides that, which is terrible, There's something something's terrible. The the job number one of our president is to protect yeah. the lives of Americans, yeah. and he's not doing job number one. Instead, he's initiating force against all of us. So. Yeah. That's what we're showing. So that is the so-called phony scandal of Benghazi. Real developments coming out of a news source that all of you liberal people saying phony scandal, you should acknowledge CNN. Yes. I mean, you know, that whatever. <sighs> Appeal to authority garbage. Um, but no, this is true. Now, in the meantime, in the meantime, talk about failing to protect Americans. Tammy Bruce was excellent on this earlier today. I got a chance. I was listening to part of her show earlier today, and apparently she has a Daily Tam briefing, which is available only to her subscribers, ad for Tammy. Um, but she gave a briefing last night about this next story, which is the U.S. basically is running and putting its tail between its legs on two counts. One is issuing a global travel alert over an al-Qaeda threat. There's an al-Qaeda threat, I guess, of violence wait a minute, wait a minute, over wait, the wait next month. Obama decimated al-Qaeda. What are you talking about? He oh, decimated yeah. them. Oh, yeah. But can don't, someone, don't, tell, don't, can don't. someone tell al-Qaeda, please? Yeah, yeah. They, they need to know this, but they're still threatening us. So a global travel alert for all of us, and you better heed it. You better heed the global travel alert if it's released by the U.S. government. Sure. Why? Because we've learned that if you get in trouble, our president won't be there for yes. you. So there's that. Um, but more disturbingly, and this is the thing that Tammy was focusing on, apparently Obama is going to close down embassies and consulates around the country where they think there is a particular threat. I think they're being closed down Sunday. I was, I wasn't clear whether it's a temporary or permanent closing. What is it, boss? Do you know? I don't know. Go, go know to that. Tammy Bruce for this story because she is on fire about it. And um, <laughs> she's she's pulled out all of the great imitations that she does with her voice and the, and sound effects and everything else to to basically imitate Obama running with a tail between yep. his legs, as opposed to actually maybe posting more security talk at our embassy. Talk about and motivating our yeah. enemy. Talk about motivating our, our enemy. His his presidency has done that. I mean, Al Qaeda is probably bigger than ever right now. Instead of going out there and actually protecting. That's the last thing on, on his mind. Protecting Americans. Let's his, just yeah. close it down. His Let's priority, just... destroy the country. Protect Americans comes, what, 10th? If, if it makes good press. If. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I'm just, I'm very hopeful with especially CNN jumping on board, yeah. looking into Benghazi, that they are going to stop giving this man a free pass and they're going to start being more critical Total because that is, that is what we like to see out there. If anybody wants to call in and, and rant on our commander-in-chief, you can do so, 760-888-5817. I want to go on to another so-called phony scandal, and this is the IRS scandal. Yeah. The IRS scandal that's supposedly phony, that's just mm. talking points. There's really nothing to it. If you recall, I think it was a week or two ago, I discussed 
a um uh, a story. Uh, yeah, I have the wrong leak actually there. The new links emerge at the IRS scandal. What I meant to have is a Kimberly Strassel piece. I'm going to go ahead and fix that at my blog right now. As we're on air, I'm going to give you the behind the scenes look at how I fix a link on my blog, right? But let me go to wallstreetjournal.com and it's uh, actually one of the headline stories on the front page today. It's a Strassel, Kimberly Strassel piece, New Links Emerge in the IRS Scandal. And if you recall, she, this is the one that I talked about where I said I was outraged about the fact that you need a cup of coffee right. or 12 cups right. of coffee in order to understand the latest wrinkle yeah, of the scandal. Isn't this a phony article? Oh, it's got to be yeah. phony, definitely. Right. But remember that she was discussing the Federal Elections Commission. Right, right, right. right and right. if I remember the essence of what it is, is that the Federal Elections Commission is supposed to investigate companies and groups and whoever has done things that break the elections laws. And so what oh. the commission the commission is supposed to be a nonpartisan commission detached from the political process and they are you know they have like investigators or staff members who bring them evidence that people might be doing wrong stuff bring them this evidence and then the commission is supposed to decide whether to conduct an investigation based on the report that they get from the staff and what Strassel broke a couple you know weeks ago I think it was a couple weeks ago what she broke was the story that said that the reports that are given to the commissioners, the reports on the basis of which they decide whether they're going to investigate, those reports are being leaked elsewhere before there's ever been any decision of whether to investigate. And in fact, some investigation is being done before the Federal Election Commission is investigating. And the leaks, of course, are with key people in the Obama administration. Now, the article that she has today, an article that I am about to fix the link to at my blog at don'tletitgo.com. So those of you who are listening on the podcast are going to have this fixed. Let me go ahead and go to my blog and put the correct link in there. Um, I scroll up and I edit like a good person. And then I go to my awesome program notes at the bottom of my post at don'tletitgo.com and I find the horrible HTML that has to do with the, um, oh yeah, new links emerge in the IRS scandal. That is the text. And now I'm going to get the story in there correctly for you. Once again, Ta-da. Islam. Islam? Okay. Yeah. I forgot to mention it. Yeah, okay. Yeah, we got we got to have that in there. Yes. And and then we're going to see if I've actually achieved linkage correctness when we go to the post. But in any event, so what happens now is she is giving the nuts and bolts of the leakage of these reports and who it is that is actually taking up the investigation on behalf of these Federal Election Commission staffers, not the commissioners themselves, right? So what what she's showing is that people at the IRS have started to do investigations, have used the power of the IRS to investigate before the Federal Election Commission has decided to conduct an investigation. That's how I understand the story, that you have had corruption of the Federal Election Commission and you've had the IRS using its investigatory powers in ways that they are not supposed to be authorized to 
do. So I go and I test my link, and I am there. It is fixed. You can go find it at don'tletitgo.com. And what she says in here is, who is it that's doing the investigation? It is Ms. Lerner. Uh-huh. Okay. She, she's doing the investigation? Yeah, Lois Lerner. Uh. So it says there's this communication between the IRS and the FEC since 2008. And uh, then it says, given that Ms. Lerner came out of the FEC's office of the general counsel, the correspondence could prove illuminating. She says that the correspondence between them shows that there was an email sent from the FEC, right, over to uh, Ms. Lerner, and and they asked whether or not the IRS had issued an exemption letter to a particular organization called AIP, and they requested that Ms. Lerner, quote, share any information that she had on the particular group. And then nine minutes later, after she received the request, she directed IRS attorneys to fulfill the request, to actually give them this information. So FEC attorneys, who are not supposed to investigate until they've been told to, they went to Lois Lerner to pry information out of the IRS about AIP, this organization that they uh, didn't like, I guess, some organization that they aren't uh, happy with. American Issues Project a conservative outfit, of course. And what they've done is they have violated the Federal Elections Commission protocol, the rules that they're supposed to be operating under in conducting an investigation through the IRS before the commissioners had unanimously or whatever it is, majority vote, decided to do it. Um, Go over, get your cup of coffee, read Strassel. Basically, Strassel is saying this is more evidence that the IRS's activities were politicized. And they were politicized not only in a way that violates what the IRS is supposed to be doing, but in a way that violates the mandate of the Federal Elections Commission, which I'm sure I want to have abolished anyway. But the point is is that if it's going to be operating, you would at least like it to be operating in a non-corrupt way. And Strassel is showing that, no, it has not been operating uh, in that way. And then I guess Lois Lerner should have pleaded the fifth because – Things are pointing back to her. So two members from the IRS are already pleaded the fifth, you know. They're government officials. They're not private individuals. You know, they're government officials. Oh, and, and, and that's supposed to be it? They, they, they plead a fifth and just get away with it? No. No, they got to be brought back in. She has to be brought back in because she actually pleaded the fifth and then made a case, you know, for herself. And ISA, as uh, State of Defiance says, he let, her, he let her walk, and he shouldn't have. Not at all. Not at all. They need to drag her, you know what, back there. Drag her back in there. And and learn. And make her talk. So, yeah, I urge you, grab your cup of coffee. Go to don'tletitgo.com. Find the link for... You got some August Elser. August Elser? What's it called? August Elser, too. I think August Elser is good for after the reading. Coffee is good for before. Okay, good. good, You have coffee before. (laughs) Then you read the piece that explains as clearly as possible the convoluted corruption of our government, right? We have have so many layers of bureaucracy that even to understand the corruption of... And this this is what I was talking about, Ed, before. I mean, let's tie it back Mm -hmm. to our previous phone call. It's important to know first 
what power government has over citizens to regulate them. And FEC is one that regulates free speech. So point well taken, Ed, on on the free speech issue. I was taking for granted that we've got free speech. But we want it's a good reminder. Yeah, we want to know the extent to which government has power over the way we conduct our lives first. And then you could see how they use that power in a corrupt way. I mean, at least that's the way I would organize it. But tomato, tomato sometimes, too. What I do know is that the top issue should not be drugs. It should be stuff like this. It should be stuff like this. How is the government using its power in ways that interfere with the lives of Americans and then secondarily using it to try to keep themselves in office? Yeah. by protecting organizations like an American Issues Project. Which seems to be the job of politicians, yeah. you know, retaining power, keeping power. Just when you thought it couldn't get any worse, we have a wonderful piece, again, over at Wall Street Journal. Wall Street Journal, you know, I I, I look at Dredge, I look at Dredge, but then I say if I really want to have a little bit more level conception of what the top stories are. I go over to a news source like the Wall Street Journal. You're going to maybe get some leftist stuff. Yeah. But you overall, know, yeah, some good stuff. Again, in some of the in some the, of the, the news, editorial is very good also. Some of the news coverage and then in the in the opinion pieces, yeah. again it's Strassel. Strassel. Kimberly Strassel over there is just pressing on this IRS issue and she has got hard news about it. You you gotta get some news sources. You get a lot of sensationalism over it at Dredge. He had Strasbiche. Yeah. He was trying to write it in English as the headline under the Snowden piece and then some people were talking about is it grammatically correct or not. I was like, uh, whatever. He was on um, Wiener for too long, too. Way yeah, too long. way too long on Wiener. So we need we need real news. But here's a piece over at the Wall Street Journal. It's Daniel Henninger saying Obama's creeping authoritarianism. Obama's creeping authoritar- authoritarianism. And basically he's saying that if you listen to Obama... And especially if you listen to him recently, he plans to take, quote-unquote, action on his own, apart from Congress, in many ways in the near future. And, uh, you know, he he was giving an example earlier. He's saying, basically, Obama will tell you what he's up to. And he said, in the first term, over and over, Obama said, the wealthiest 1% this, the wealthiest 1% that. And he used the class warfare spirit that was out there among a certain segment of voters, very young voters and minorities, in order to get them on board and to get his narrow margin, his 4% popular vote margin um, that would, you know, in in the uh, re-election campaign. Now in the second term, the thing that you hear over and over again, he's off the wealthiest 1%, you know, because he got re-elected. He got his voters to do what he wants. Now he's telling you, Hey, if Congress doesn't do what I want, I'll just do what I can now, to act apart from Congress. Now he's been saying that. He said that in the first term, but he's saying it more so now. Because now he's really willing to get away with a lot of stuff. <laughs> Ed in the chat room says it's not necessarily creeping authoritarianism. It's authoritarianism, cre- authoritarian creepiness. Yeah. Authoritarian creepiness. No, they're, they're, Is there any other kind? They're being kind there also. Yeah. You know, it's authoritarian, creeping authori- authoritarianism. He's always been this way. This is this, what he is. He's a frustrated dictator. I, w- I would say, especially in the second term, though, it's just take the brakes off and yeah. try to speed over that cliff and, and also try, get away with it what he can. Try to vilify the GOP worse than usual and get the House so he has a Senate and the House and do some hardcore damage for the last few years. 
And honestly, looking at the right, I don't know. He might get away with it. Looking at Boehner, Boehner has to go. He has to be ripped from power, unseated, and to put a decent, good guy in there. I mean, if we can get a great guy, great. But just someone decent, someone who loves the country. Well, and that's where you go back to the Ken Gardner thing. He thinks that if Ted Cruz and Mike Lee and others push the defunding of Obamacare, that that's going to backfire and then they're going to lose the House in 2014. I, I'm, I'm definitely not sure of that. And Again, seriously. I mean, look at Boehner. You know, how much better is he for us than than uh, Pelosi? I mean, meaning he'll he'll do the same thing. They do tax hikes. It's the first Republican-led Congress who hiked taxes ever. That's historical, and no one talks about that because it's just it, it, it's too it's too horrific. And this guy basically wants to put everything through. He wants to just be the guy who goes along, gets along. He goes on ABC News, doesn't go on Rush Limbaugh or any other show because he's he's scared. Yep. Yep. Uh, he's a piece of crap, and he has to go. Henninger here writes, he says, don't complain that you didn't see it coming when this authoritarianism comes. He says, as always, Mr. Obama states publicly what his intentions are. He is doing that now. He says, toward the end of his speech last week in Jacksonville, Florida, he said, quote, so where I can act on my own? I'm going to act on my own. I won't wait for Congress, end quote. And, of course, he had a whole bunch of applause from the rent-a-crowd yeah. that he got there. Not you, good. You, you, know, you, right. you heard, right, last week we talked about the fact that they were keeping yep. campus Republican yep. groups out of the speeches yep. so that he just got all this loving applause for everything that he said and nobody yep. challenged him, right? Smaller uh, crowds, smaller crowds. The though. July 24 speech at Knox College in Gainesburg, Illinois, has at least four references to his intent to act on his own without authority. I mean, without, excuse me, without Congress, his own authority, without Congress. Quote, he says, that means whatever executive authority I have to help the middle class, I'll use it. End quote. Yeah. What a damn yeah. liar. Yeah. What he did, what did he do? According to the story that we read earlier from Politico, he used... His authority, his time, and his effort. You know, he starts working at 10 o'clock in the morning, yeah, I think you said. Yeah, at least. Nice life, Mr. Oh, yeah. President. Um, he used his time and his authority to help Congress oh, yeah. and help congressional Democrats in particular. I mean, that's why he's doing it. You know, it's, it's, it's not about him or power. He's, he's breaking the law to help people. You know, you got to give it some. Another place quoting from that speech at Knox College in Illinois, Henninger points out, he says, uh, This is Obama. He says, We're doing. Excuse me. We're going to do. We're going to do everything we can, whenever we can, with or without Congress. Yes, I want to do whatever I can get away with. I mean, sorry, I want to do anything I can because they won't stop me. Yeah. And that's it. That's it. And goes that's on. That's what dictators do. Yeah. This 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 opinion piece, this excellent opinion piece over at the Wall Street Journal, goes on to say, look, the U.S. has a system of checks and balances. Mr. Obama is rebalancing the system toward a national leader model that is alien to the American tradition. Because Obama is alien to the American tradition. I mean, he's the first anti-American president, first un-American president. I mean, that's whether he whether he was born here. I guess he was, but who knows? I mean, he he made that convoluted himself. He actually said he was born in Kenya, in uh, in authors. He, he did. <laughs> I know. He he said that. He, he started the birther movement. He is the first birther. He is. Anyway. Wherever he was born, he is sure not American. No, uh, American. What Henninger goes on to say is he says, in order to create public support for this unilateral authority grab that he's doing here, he has to lessen the support for the other two branches of government, for Congress and the judiciary. And how is he doing that? All the Obama supporters are going out there. They're complaining about gridlock. 
they're trying to get you to give the Congress a low opinion rating because of the so-called gridlock. Mm-hmm. Um, what gridlock? Yeah. Please, gridlock. He says, uh, he says, Mr. Obama doesn't merely criticize Congress. He mocks it repeatedly. Washington, quote, unquote, ignored problems, according to Obama. It, quote, made things worse. It, quote, manufactures crises and, quote, well, phony scandals. Well, they ignored Obama. They did. I mean, Boehner has, has ignored Obama. He has, in that sense. He has, he has ignored the Obama problem. Yeah, I don't know what Boehner's doing. I'm, I'm starting look, to get Boehner, on the bandwagon of, of Levin, who says he's drinking. You look, know? look, he's a clinker. Uh, as Michael Savage, you know, I, I can't listen to Savage. I really can't, but I, I did hear him on this one audio on YouTube. Whenever he mentions his name, you hear glass clinking, uh, ice clicking, clinking in a glass. He's a drunk, and uh, he's a smoker, and, he, and he's a tanner, and he's a crier, and that's all he is. I don't know what else. I mean, he's, he's not a speaker. He can't speak. When he burps things out, I mean, you know, he just... It's, it's it's shameful. I mean, it's unbelievable. This is the guy who's supposed to protect us from Obama, the country, the third most powerful man in America, the most powerful Republican. I'm sorry. I can go on forever. I've drawn him numerous times. If you want to check out my, my banner, check out my blog. This, uh, you know, he is. And, and I would say the the Office of Personnel Management story, you know, where they're giving this rule, this fix to mm-hmm. Obamacare so that all the congressional staffers won't leave. Yeah. You know, again, I just seen some of these congressmen without their aides. Oh man, it is. It's like it is. It's, it's Obama without a teleprompter. Yes. It would be awesome to see them, except for Ted, I mean Ted Cruz. Yeah, yeah. He goes. No, he speaks on the show it. intelligently. He knows his stuff. He knows his stuff. But some of these people without their aides, they are just completely at sea. They don't know what they're doing. It would be great to see them that way. But what does Obama do? He acts on his own. He pressures the Office of Personnel Management to put this fix in, which may not even be legal. And, you know, imagine whether or not it's legal. I would say that the language that's in Obamacare that says that all of the congressional staffers and the members of Congress, that they have to be part of Obamacare. That was part of the deal, right? That was part of the reason for some of these so-called Republicans who weren't Republicans probably to vote for this thing in the first. Well, okay, as long as you know we're all subjected to it, then yeah. I mean, the, a lot of these you know Republicans, the more liberal Republicans, I would say they're the worst of the altruists Absolutely. in a way, and they're saying if we're going to put this Obamacare across, let's at least be earnest about it. Let's make it apply to us as well. Yeah. So they put the language in there. They don't say anything about whether there's still going to be a subsidy for it. I mean, hey, it's going to be affordable. It's going to be so cheap. We don't even need subsidies from the government, right, to pay for this. Now they're finding out Georgia's seen a 198% increase in yep. premiums that are being offered on the new exchange companies. It is terribly expensive, and everyone's saying, oh, I was going to say, oh, yes, yes. Yeah. Well, you can. It, it's a family show. We're trying to keep it a family show, but I'm I'm getting upset about it. So I don't know. You know, we only have a few minutes left here. So let me let me let me let me finish up with this story real quick, and then I want to play one thing that just kind of is makes you feel a little bit better. It's a compliment. About the whole deal. Uh, it's a, the, the compliments to Ted Cruz. Yes, the com- it's, it's the compliment it to compliment. Ted Cruz. A great yeah. compliment. So so basically, all that the rest of the story was saying is that Obama is doing his piece to make the Congress and the judiciary look bad in the eyes of the American people so that we'll just be happy with our benevolent dictator, yeah. Obama. Yeah. And I mean, they, he wants to go down as a conqueror, is what he wants, historically speaking. 
John McCain goes to dinner with Obama yes. instead of to the filibuster. Yes. Calls people who participated in the filibuster wacko birds. Yep. But has Calls. a great time hanging out with Obama, yeah. who is going to be the first authoritarian And he calls uh, Hillary Clinton a uh, rock star, uh, John McCain. John McCain, you know, I don't know. I'm thinking about certain things. It, he, he might drop dead on a television show, one of those morning shows. Mm-hmm. It might happen because he's a media whore. So we'll see. Let's go ahead for the last couple minutes or so and let's get this clip up here. This is Chris Matthews. Chris Matthews is, I would just say, beside himself, yeah. worried about Terrified. about what Ted Cruz. I mean, he, he, here's the thing, right? Here's a, here's more evidence to Ken Gardner that Ted Cruz is doing something right because he is bringing Chris Matthews yeah. to this. Now, Bosch, this is a nine minute clip. Where yeah. am I going to go I don't into know. this clip? Do you remember no, exactly where I'm going to get into it? I, no, I couldn't watch it. Nine minutes of Chris Matthews is impossible. So maybe turn it off and just and let's just say it. Let's just say yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. Plus, okay. You don't want to hear his. We got 90 seconds. You don't want to hear his slurry words. I mean, he's uh, he, he's also drunk. It says on Wednesday's Hardball on MSNBC. Hardball. Yeah, hard, hardball. Uh, host Chris Matthews continued his attack on Ted Cruz, but took it a step further. He's been comparing Cruz to former Wisconsin Republican Senator Joseph McCarthy, but now he is actually saying it's terrorism. He says, he says it's not just the issue of Obamacare and a government shutdown where Cruz and his allies are threatening destruction. He says, in addition to the vow to blow up Obamacare, they're moving to block an increase in the debt ceiling, etc. He says this is more than obstructionism. It is political terrorism. 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 So bravo to Ted Cruz Absolutely. for bringing Chris Matthews to this point. Now, I mean, he might he might actually, if he becomes president, he might drink, drink himself to death. I, I would like to see that. Absolutely. Uh, no more tickles Live up your legs there, yeah. or whatever, tingles up your legs. Everybody, we got to go. Thank you for tuning in today and especially the chat room. We've had such a lively chat room today. Thank you, everyone, for participating. Thanks, Thanks, Ed, for calling in. If you want to go ahead and comment on the show, go to DontLetItGo.com. You can also find all of the program notes there. You can also see all the various ways to follow me. And if you'd like, you can contribute to the show, help keep the show on the air, and tell me you like what I'm doing. Best of all, please spread the word. It's spread by word of mouth, and my mouth is only so big. Have a great week.